All right, this morning, grab your Bibles, if you will, this morning, and turn with me to the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. I'm telling you, it really is. It's, uh, it's humbling to me to be able to, um, to start uh, this book of James. We're in a new series. We're starting a new series called Living Large. Hear the word, do the word. The book of James is about having a, a living faith, about having a faith that's a mature faith, a faith that, uh, that, that really is an example so other people can see what Christians, what followers of Jesus Christ uh, look like. And, um, and I, I'm telling you, when I think about the problems that we deal with, concern to the problems and the issues and the troubles and the tests that the rest of the world deals with, it's very, very humbling. God, you see, God, I, I mean, God wants all of us to be healthy. He wants his, his kingdom to be healthy and made up of healthy people, healthy individuals. And, and when I think about some of the things that have gone on in Honduras, when I think about literally, and I don't know what the number is now, but a number of people that have come through Brother Alvin's ministry, that have come to know the Lord, that have come out of the MS-13 gangs, and the 18th Street gangs, and that um, have literally given their lives to serve Jesus Christ. Man, folks, I tell you, it's time for the body of Christ to grow up and not just grow old. Amen? I believe that today. I believe that God wants to do a work, a deep work of maturing us, a work of, um, of just growing us up and bringing us into the fullness of what he's created us to be. And for that to take place, one of the most important thing that's going to have things that's going to need to happen in our lives is that we be people of the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God will nurture us, will strengthen us, will mature us. And, and so every time, and, and one of the things we pray is that God would help you to come to the place in your life where you can be a, a student, not just a student of the Word of God, but somebody who can eat and feed, self-feed, nurture yourself through the Word of God. You see, every time the Word of God is, is spoken, it's preached, it's taught, it's, you read your devotional book, uh, you know, book that day or, your, or the, the, your verse for the day, you're have, you have to make a choice. A prophetic word comes forth. It's however God speaks, you always have to make a choice. And that choice is, will I mix faith with what God's saying and will I receive it for myself or will I just kind of let it pass me by? You know, in this book of James, in James chapter 1, verse 21, it says that we are to receive the word of God. The, the, the verse uh, actually reads like this. It says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, which is able to, to grow your souls. It's not just salvation, but it's to give life to your souls. And so the scripture says that we must receive the word of God with meekness. You know what that word meekness there means? It means with humility. It means that as the word comes forth, that I'm setting my heart in humility to say, whatever God's saying, I need. Amen? Whatever God's saying, I need. It's not, I'm not going to sit back and say, well, I don't know. That's not what I was wanting today. Oh, I was wanting them to talk about marriages today. I was wanting them to talk about finances today. I wanted to talk about how wonderful I am today. But whatever God is speaking from his word, meekness says, God, I need it. I want it so much. I want it to take root in my life. God, plant the seed of your word in my life that the crop of righteousness, that the crop of holiness, 
holiness, that the crop of purity and power can flow in me and flow through me, God, that your glory, your glory would be seen before all people. So I want to know today, how many people want to receive the engrafted word of God with meekness today? How many people are going to say, today, God, what you speak, I'm going to declare, God, it is for me today, and I'm going to set my heart, I'm going to set the soil of my life to be able to receive everything that you have for me today. Anybody want that this morning? Come on, why don't we just once again lift our hands and say, God, here we are. God, we are not only your sons and your daughters, but today we are soil. Come on, say it with me. We are soil. We are soil. And God, we choose to receive your seed, your word into our lives, that it might be planted deep in us, Lord. And God, we're not asking for a 30-fold or a 60-fold return in our lives. We're asking for 100% return in our lives, oh God. We want your word to come in and to do its work in our lives, that you might do your work, Holy Spirit, through our lives. So today, God, we set ourselves, we resist every obstacle and distraction. We set ourselves to receive your word that we might, God, be formed and fashioned. We might come to the place of maturity, to the stature of the fullness of the man, Jesus Christ. And for that, we say thank you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Turn to somebody, give them a high five, said, I'm ready to receive today. Amen. So the book of James, the book of James, James chapter 1, let's jump right into the scriptures. James, verse 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's let's just take a little bit of a a pause right here. We'll read a little further. We won't camp on every word. But uh, James, uh, James, this James, there's a number of Jameses in the scriptures and in history. This James happens to be James, the brother of Jesus. Now keep this in mind when you read the rest of the scripture. James, the brother of Jesus, and he says he describes himself as a bond servant. Okay, does anybody know what a bond servant is? A bond servant is someone who was literally in slavery. They had paid the price for their freedom. They were set free from slavery, but they made a choice. They made a decision. They said, my life will be so much better under the hand of my master, under the hand of the one who was my owner, that I'm going to give my life back to them, and they're going to be my Lord, they're going to be my master, I'm going to put my full confidence and trust in them. And so James says, I've got somebody that I'm choosing to give my entire life to. I'm going to submit myself fully and completely to them. I'm going to yield myself to their wishes, their desires, their commands, for my life rather than anything I want for myself. And the person he chooses to do that to is his brother. Now, how many people of you, knowing your brothers and sisters, okay, come on, say, yes, I'm going to just let my brother, my sister have rule over my life. I'm going to let them dictate. (laughs) Anybody here going, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? I'm not sure that's where we're going. Now, James, as a matter of fact, something drastic had to change in his life. Because when Jesus walked on the face of the earth as the Savior of the world, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He didn't believe in Jesus. He wasn't a disciple of Jesus. After the resurrection, James saw that there was something so real in the lives of believers, of followers of Jesus Christ, that he literally gave his life, submitted his life to his brother the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And from that, and he, then he became a leader 
in the Christian church. And so he's writing to these churches, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And so he's writing to encourage and to instruct and to help the churches there deal with the same kinds of issues and the same kinds of issues and, 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 and circumstances that we deal with today. And so here's what he says. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many people say, that sounds good, God. I want my life to be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Amen? Amen. That's, that's a good plan. That's a good, that's a good desire. And so he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and God will give it. So what he's beginning to deal with here, he's saying, we've got to have a renewed understanding. We've got to have a, um, we've really got to have a theology of troubles and trials. And so he says, listen, brothers and sisters, when, when trouble comes into your life, how many people know that we are promised that we will have troubles in our lives. Jesus said, in this life, you will have troubles. Now, I know some of you don't realize that because most of you have never had troubles in your life, right? Anybody ever had any troubles in their life? How many people have ever had a trouble in your life, okay? About half of us. The rest of us are just walking on air, right? They're, they're Teflon coated. Nothing can stick to them. No problems, no issues in their lives, right? No. There's troubles. There's trials. There's tests. There's, there's adversity. There's, a, there's, there's, there's afflictions that come. There's difficulties that come in our lives. This doesn't surprise us. We've, we've all faced that. I've heard someone say that you're either uh, in a trial, you've just come out of a trial, or you're heading into a trial, right? How many people say, I hope I'm just coming out of it, okay? <laughs> I hope I'm just coming out. But, but Jesus, even himself, says, hey, there's going to be difficult situations. So what, but God is telling us, and, and James is teaching the churches there, and the Holy Spirit wants us to learn here today that, that these, there's never pain without purpose, and even in the midst of testing and trials and difficulties and, and what the enemy, the devil, and, and what the world and, 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 and conflicts and even what our own flesh leads us into difficult situations, into times where there are battles and times where there's, there's things that we're just dealing with day after day after day. Those situations with the, the enemy wants to destroy us with, God says, look, I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to take this test something that becomes comes a point of benefit and beauty for your lives. Pastor Chris and Roger and JB and I got to go to a, a leadership development seminar this uh, week up in, in Plano. And one of the speakers, I liked how he described it. He said, he, he brought out this big pencil and he said, for you to be sharpened, man, there's, you know, for you to have, be a, come to a, have a real point to your life, there's a lot of sharpening that needs to take place. Has anybody ever felt like you were a pencil and a pencil sharpener? Man, my life is just being ripped apart and being shredded. I'm just the pain and the difficulty. And so we want to understand that in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of tough times, am I talking to anybody here today? Anybody having any trials, any difficulties, facing any obstacles, having to press through some problems and some pressure, right? In the midst of it, the scripture says here, 
that we can count it or consider it all joy. Now, wait a minute. That seems contradictory. <laughs> Trials and difficulties, but all joy? Well, yes. Yes, we're going to consider it all joy. Now, let me tell you something. I, I just discovered this over the last couple of weeks. That word count or consider there, in some aspects, is really a military term. And what that military term is, it says that you have the authority to decide the impact the situation's going to have in your life. Now, we can't control everything that takes place in our life. Situations happen. Sometimes we jump in the pit. Sometimes we get bumped into the pit. Sometimes others push us into the pit, right? Into the difficulty, into the pressure, into the, the trying and situation. So we can't control everything that happens to us or, or comes against us, but we can control. And we do have the authority, and we do have the power, and we do have the ability. We do have the strength to make a decision about what it will do in our lives. We have the authority to say, hey, it's not going to crush me. It's not going to drown me out. It's not going to destroy me. It's going to make me better. So we can consider it all joy for a few reasons. One, we can consider it an all joy because if we're going through something, then God has the confidence in you. He has the confidence in you that you've got the stuff to make it through. He's got the confidence in you that this isn't going to crush you. It's not going to destroy you, but it's going to form and fashion something in you that needs to be developed so you can be better, you can be the best you, and that you can accomplish his purposes in your lives. The second thing is we can consider it all joy because we know that no matter where we are at, God is with us. Has anybody ever thought, man, God, where are you? I can tell you where God is at. In the darkest of times, in the worst of times, God is with you. The scripture tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us. Not only that, he never takes his eye off of us. Do you know that? He never forgets us. He never leaves us. Look at me. Let me see your eyes this morning. Somebody needs to hear that today. God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't left you. God hasn't abandoned you. God hasn't, hasn't given up on you. God is with you. And can I tell you that if God is with us, there is hope and there is help. And God is stronger than anything that's going to come against us. Amen? So we can be joyful. We can count it all joy. And then we can not only count it all joy because that God's got confidence in us and that God is with us, but we can have joy because what it's going to work in us, what it's going to do. The ability that this trial, that this test, that this dis difficulty has to form, to work, to produce in me. And God's plan for it to produce something in our lives is for it to produce maturity. Maturity. Now let me say this. Maturity is not how we think about maturity. Um, a couple of years ago, Yvette was in a, uh, a store, and uh, she went into the store, and she was looking for a certain item, and she went to the lady, and, um, and the lady, uh, she said um, something about, oh, do you happen to have this? And Yvette was looking at one section of the store, kind of maybe the young, youthful, trendy area, you know, and, um, and the lady said something like, oh, well, ma'am, we don't have that in this area. We keep that over in the area for the mature people. Now, I don't know who trained that woman, but she deserves a star, right? Instead of saying, we keep that over in the old geriatric section over here, right? 
<laughs> so we keep that in the mature section. That's, that's not, it's not talking about growing, just growing old. What it's talking about is being formed and fashioned and made into the image of Jesus Christ. That the maturity that God's wanting to work for us is a maturity that causes us to be perfect and complete and to lack nothing in our lives. That means that all of the character the fruit of the Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace and the, the meekness and the kindness and the goodness and the temp, all those things. The Holy Spirit's saying, hey, I'm going to work these things. I'm going to develop these things in your lives. Aren't we glad that God continues to develop things in our lives? Amen? And not just that, not just the character, but also the conduct, the works of Jesus Christ. Because God's saying, hey, I need some people that I can pour my spirit in and pour my spirit through. Because there are people that need to receive words of encouragement and words of knowledge and prophetic words. And people that still need healing in their life and still need miracles in their life. Amen? And God's looking for people that as he matures them and develops them, that these gifts, these fruit and gifts can flow in and through their lives. And do you know what? That's you. Do you know that God's plan for evangelism is you? And so what Jesus is saying here through his brother James, uh, he's saying is, listen, I'm going to form and fashion some disciples, some followers of me, some, uh, some Jesus followers who really represent who I am. They don't just represent the church. They don't, they're not just religious, but they carry the conduct. They carry the, the anointing. They carry the presence of Jesus with them everywhere they go because everywhere you go, is where Jesus wants to be. Everywhere you go is where Jesus wants to be. So we want to be those mature disciples, those disciples who follow him in every circumstance and in every situation. And folks, I understand that in the moment, the difficulty, the trial doesn't feel good. I understand that there are real things that hurt real bad, stuff that's not fun and it's not easy. But can I tell you, we're not going to stay in the moment. We're, we're going we're to keep stepping. We're going to keep walking. We're going to go through it. God's going to bring us through it. He's going to be with us through it. As a matter of fact, the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 puts it like this. Verse 16, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Anybody ever felt like you're perishing? It's killing me. I'm drowning in this situation. I'm drowning in my loneliness. I'm, I'm drowning in the midst of this, of this difficulty, of this trial, of this relationship issue. And if something doesn't give, I'm going to lose it. And look what they said. They said, the inward man, said the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, by day, God hasn't given up on you. God hasn't left you. God hasn't forgot you. God's working to form some fashion in you, form and fashion some things in you, to build some faith in you, to build some strength in you. You see, it's about the value of trials in our lives. God is working in us, and God is working for us. God is going to work in us and for us so that he can work through us. Amen? How many people say, God, thank you. Thank you for a fresh understanding, for a fresh understanding of what trials can produce in my life. See, God really does desire to pour out blessings. He wants to pour abundant blessings into our lives. But can I tell you, God's not an idiot. 
God's not going to be foolish about pouring things into our lives. And as much as God wants to bless us, as much as God wants to flood our lives with great things, I'm telling you that God's not going to entrust us with more things in the natural than we're spiritually able to deal with. Amen? And some of us have seen that. We've seen people who have had more, care, more gifts than they had character. In the end, is going to be disaster. We've seen people that have had things that have just, oh, you know, they've got so much stuff. And all of a sudden, the stuff is what brings, leads to their destruction. God says, I'm not going to do that. And so because we know that's what God's doing, that God's working in us to develop us, we're going to be people who come and say, God, I trust you no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation is. Your kingdom come. We were praying it this morning. Your will be done. Come on, say it with me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Come on, say it for yourself. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Amen? How many people really want God's will to be done? Amen? We all do. We all do. So, all right. How many people, can you see this thing here? I don't know if you can see it or not. But uh, how many people know what this thing is? Anybody know what this is? Okay. This thing here. It's called a rock tumbler, a rock tumbler. How many people have rock tumblers in their house? Okay, a couple people. All right, great. Well, you guys probably know more about this than I do. Um, in this rock tumbler, what happens is um, people go out and they'll take, they'll pick up a rock, and uh, it can just be an old raggedy rock, and they take the top off and they put these rocks into this container, and, and then they put all the rocks in there, and they're ugly and just ragged old rocks, and they put them into this tumbler, and they'll turn this tumbler on, and sometimes for days, weeks, months, it depends what kind of rock it is, and can you imagine what it would be like to be a rock, and all of a sudden, taken out of that sunny riverbed, and all of a sudden being stuck into a dark place, and now life is just turning over and over, and every time there's movement, you're bumping into another rock, and man, those rocks are just beating and banging against each other, right? Has anybody ever felt like your life is a rock tumbler? <laughs> you ever felt like, wait a minute, every time I turn around, I'm bumping into somebody, I'm crashing crashing into another person, into another conflict, into another issue, and, and there's darkness, and I don't understand what's going on. Anybody at all ever felt like this? Man, first of all, all the rocks in here represent people. I think we can understand, right, that the, most of the points of the conflict in our lives, most of the troubles, most of the trials, most of the difficulties that are going to take place are going to deal with other people. But can I also tell you that as much as people may be the point of our problems, people are never our enemies. Amen? And so these rocks... They turn and they tumble for whatever season they're in there. And they go in, you know, all messed up and jagged and rock, you know, and pointed and hurtful and painful. And then they come out smooth and beautiful. And those sharp edges are gone. And, man, they're good to look at. They're good to skip on the water. I'm just, I'm just telling you today that, that if, if we're going to be people who are going to say, I refuse to get in the tumbler. I, 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 nobody needs to tell me how to live my life. Can I tell you that, that every place you go, you're still going to be pointed and sharp and you're going to bring pain to others and pain to yourself. I, I mean, that's, that's just the way it works. 
if, if we're in a scenario, in a situation in life where, where man, we've got a, a bad attitude or we've got a bad habit in our life and, and, and all of a sudden I get, I'll try to get thrown into the tumbler, okay, to the pain and the pain is just increasing. I can't stand, I'm screaming, I got to get out. You might get out, but you know what? The next place you end up, you're going to take that attitude or that action or that habit with you. God loves you. Listen, listen. Yes, God loves you. God loves you just how you are. God loves you just where you are. But how many people know that God loves you too much to leave you how you are? Amen? Those people are saying, just leave me alone, just me and Jesus. Well, you know what? Jesus doesn't have a lot of lone rangers. A lot of work doesn't get done by itself, but he puts us, he, he allows us in the midst of conflict to be shaped and to be developed be transformed and then ultimately and here's the funny part something gets developed in our lives something gets transformed in our lives and that sharp edge of attitude or that sharp edge of addiction or that that sharp edge that's been so painful and so jagged in my life it gets knocked off and now I think oh hallelujah I am done with the problems I'm done with the trouble I'm done with the test can I tell you that the more mature you become in Christ, you'll begin to find out that sometimes you're in the middle of a difficult situation. You're in the tumbler, not for your benefit, but for somebody else's benefit. Right? Sometimes it's not just about what God's working in you. It's about what God's working in others. I mean, it really is, guys. And that's where maturity begins to develop. That's where we begin to understand that God has not just a forced us into a situation, but he's allowed us to be in a situation so we could help somebody else's life. And we've got a choice. We're either going to submit to it, we're going to yield to it, we're going we're to realize that God's got pain, okay, pain with purpose for my life, but sometimes the pain I'm experiencing is for somebody else's life. I mean... Has anybody ever been in one of those situations? Man, it's not just about me. I'm, I'm dealing with the situation that's all around me. But whether it's God is developing something in us or something in others, I, I can tell you the one thing that I begin to understand is, is that we don't need less, dis, uh, less problems in our lives. We don't need less opposition in our lives. We need more strength in our lives. Amen? How many people recognize that? We need more strength in our lives. Years ago, our kids when playing soccer, and I don't remember if it was Bradley or Taylor, but they'd come in and talk about, oh man, I'm really, man, we're facing that really, really tough team today, and man, we're going to go out there, and they've, they've beat us, you know, so many times, and I wish we were playing an easier team today, and I said, yeah, you're right, you know, man, here you are, an 11-year-old boy, you know, man, I wish you were playing fourth, you know, four-year-old little girls, that'd be great, right? Why? Oh, then you'd be able to cream them, you'd be able to, <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? I said, man, I don't want you doing that. I wish you were playing the best team in the world and that you'd kick their butts, man, right? And what God's saying to us is, hey, you don't, you don't have to have smaller problems and smaller issues and less difficulties in life. You know what you need? You need more strength. You need more patience. You need more, more of the work of God in you. And so verse 4, what does it say? It says, so then, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Do you know the word patience in, in, in one of the Greek connotations of that word? 
is that it's patience is something that will only grow under under difficulty. It will only grow under trial. So so we've got to stay under the situation, right? Not not under the situation, but we stay in the situation. But no matter what situation we're in, we're under God. And so my perspective is when my life is being tumbled around, when I'm facing difficulties, hey, listen, it's not the difficulty that's in charge of my life. It's God that's in charge of my life. Amen? And and if this is a season that he's got me in, then I'm going to trust you in this season. And, And Jesus, I know that you are with me. And because Jesus is with me, because Jesus is with you, how many people know that Jesus is with you? If Jesus is with you, you're going to make it through, right? You're going to make it through. You're going to overcome, and you're going to come out better. You're going to come out lacking nothing. You're going to come out complete. You're going to come out mature, and you're going to come out beautiful. Amen? Go ahead, turn to somebody and give him a high five and say, he's talking about you this morning, right? So let patience have its perfect work with us. Stay with it, man. Stay under. Stay in it. Stay, stay under. Because can I tell you, the first reaction of the flesh, look at me, everybody right here. Okay, we're not, we're not done. Okay, listen, God wants to speak this to you. Don't, don't, don't miss this. Okay? The first reaction of the flesh, the first reaction is, man, something difficult comes. I want to back up from it. I want to get away from it. I want to move. I want to run. I want to hide. I want to isolate. And patience says, no, wait a minute. I'm going to stay in it. I'm not going to give up on the marriage. I'm not going to give up on the job. I'm not going to give up on the church. I'm not going to give up on the friendship. I'm not going to give up on the, the son or the daughter who's lost. But I'm going to stay in it. I'm going to stay in it because I'm not under it. I'm not dealing with it. I'm under God. And my trust is in God to work for my benefit and on my behalf and to help change and transform me. So I'm not going to withdraw. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to isolate. Instead, I'm going to let patience do its work. I'm going to grow strong. I'm going to let that muscle be developed in my life. I'm going I'm to trust God to do his very best for me and for us and in us. Not only that, I'm not only going to trust God's character, but I'm going to trust, and maybe this is the most difficult issue of all, I'm going to trust his timing. God, why didn't you show up before the flood happened? Why didn't you show up before the trial happened? Why didn't you show up before the difficulty happened? Why didn't you show up before the cancer happened? Why didn't you show up before the financial collapse happened? God, God, why? God, and what do we say? Where were you, God? And the, the thing that gets undermined in us, can I really trust God? And you know what we do? We step and say, God, I may not understand. I may not see it. I may not know what's going on, but I trust you. I'm going to stay under you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to put my life fully and completely in your hands. I'm going to trust your timing. I'm going to trust your character. And I'm going to trust your love. God, even when it feels like I've gone further than I could ever go. Lord, I know your word says you won't put more on us than we can bear, but God, it feels like I'm being broken. I'm, being, I'm, I'm just, God, I can't, t- I'm, I'm, I'm gone. And can I tell you, if you're at the place of brokenness today, that God didn't break you to destroy you. He broke you to release the real you that's inside. He broke you 
so that you can see his power flowing in your lives. And if you have a theology, a belief system that says, oh, followers of Jesus will never have a problem, then you don't know Jesus. Does anybody know Jesus? Has anybody ever looked at Jesus' life? Did you, who, who bore more issues, went through more troubles, had more problems on other people's behalf than Jesus? Right? And so what God's doing is he may be forming, he may be releasing the character of Jesus Christ in you and through you. So we're going to be people who live by faith. We're going to be people who say, no matter what it takes, God, to have a testimony, no matter how big this test is, I'm going to trust you to turn it into a testimony. Amen? No, no matter how big the obstacle is, no matter how big the challenge is, God, I'm going to take a stand of courage and a stand of faith that says, God, I'll trust you. God, if the lions devour me, I'll trust you. I'll go out declaring my trust in you. I love reading about the some of the early church fathers. I love the guys that when they were burning at the stake for Jesus, they had a choice to recant, to turn away from Jesus. And they'd say, God, I'll trust you. And they were singing praises to God while the fire devoured their body. God, they may crush this body, but they'll never destroy my confidence, my faith, my courage in you and your plan for my life. God, they'll never do it. God, I believe that every battle, God, you bring me through, has a purpose, and the purpose for that battle is to bring victory, and in the middle of victory, to bring blessing, to bring blessing. That's what God wants to do. The scripture puts it like this in James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm telling you, God's wanting to knock some of the rough edges off so he can pour some more stuff into our lives. No matter how difficult it is in Honduras, Brother Alvin, no matter how tough it is, I want you to know that God is with you. God hasn't forgotten you. We haven't forgotten you. We love you.